Welcome, friends, to Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast, where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. I am your host, Curtis Kopotic, and I am joined by my co-host, Amber Brown. And today we have the pleasure of talking to James Rethaber, and he is a certified ergonomist with well over 15 years of experience, and he is also the Vice President of Technical Operations here at Fit for Work, and he's the perfect person that we have the honor to talk about job rotations. This is a great frequently asked questions where he will go through and answer some of those questions about job rotations, some of those misconceptions, pitfalls to avoid, and how to make job rotation the most effective it can be and be a benefit to your work sites. We're excited to have this interview with James, and we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Well, it's great to have you on talk about job rotation, James. And we know that job rotation is not a new concept. It's been around a long time, but let's just bring everybody up to speed and let our listeners know what is job rotation. Yeah, job rotations are whenever you take, you know, one person responsible for, for performing a task and then you group them with two, three, four, you know, however many other people. So that way, that task and the number of repetitions or the forces or awkward postures, anything like that, uh, one person isn't performing that for an 8, 10, 12-hour day. Now, those uh, risk factors are spread over a larger surface area. The uh, risk factor isn't eliminated, but since it's spread over a larger surface area, in theory, it reduces the potential for injury. I noticed you said in theory. So I know this is something that uh, a lot of supervisors and I have had conversations about at the various sites that I go to. So in theory, or actually, James, what does the research say um, as far as job rotations and kind of mitigating some of that ergonomic risk? Great catch, Amber. Yeah, that's exactly why I said in theory. Because uh, the research shows that job rotations in and of themselves are not effective injury prevention controls. And the reason being, kind of what I outlined in the definition, is the exposure isn't eliminated. Like I said, once again, in theory, it's reduced because it's spread over more people. So instead of, you know, one person doing something a thousand times, maybe there's four people in this job rotation, each person's doing it 250 times. The reason why I say in theory that it reduces the potential for injury is we don't know if that works or not because uh, a person may be able to handle the 250 repetitions that they didn't before, or it may be too much and then it does cause injury. So the, the research is showing that it's not effective as a standalone injury prevention control. So sometimes with these type of news, people think, well, if it doesn't solve all my problems, it can't do anything good. But is there anything good? I mean, what are some potential benefits, if any, from that might be a secondary or any other sort of benefit? Sure. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I wish within the research they would have mentioned that job rotations aren't effective as standalone controls to reduce you know, physical ergonomics related risk factors such as force, repetition, awkward postures, contact stress, and vibration. But what job rotations can be good for if properly designed is they're great for operational flexibility. Uh, say your uh, organization is, is having a, a difficult time, you know, filling spots or people are out on sick leave or PTO vacations, things like that having that operational flexibility where, where more people are trained to do more jobs helps from a, a systems-wide aspect. And then also for the person themselves, this is like a job enlargement is, is what happens with this job rotation. 
And the reason for that is now, instead of a person doing the same task day in, day out, 8, 10, 12 plus hours a day, now they're exposed to different tasks and it, it, it causes additional stimuli. And, and that really helps folks to keep from burning out. But you know, along with that, there, there are some, some pitfalls to avoid. And that's, you know, having job rotations where a person is on one side of an assembly line and then they rotate them right down the, the line where they're doing the same thing, same thing, same fine motor movements. And they're not getting that rest and recovery as well as they're not getting that additional stimuli since they're doing the same thing over and over. I think that's a, definitely a good point to note because I have seen that happen too, where that, you know, especially on that assembly line, they're working from the same side, you know, being able to rotate people opposite sides, just even giving them a different view of the room, um, like you mentioned, can kind of help lift spirits and just kind of break up the day-to-day monotony of it all. So kind of getting into that, what should somebody look for when they are looking at designing some effective job rotations on site? Great question. And the number one aspect that I always tell people is if you want to make effective and sustainable change, you have to know the job. And the way to know the job is look at the physical demands of the job, perform a physical demands analysis what does each of these jobs or what do each of these jobs have to do? What do, what do the people have to lift, push, pull, carry? Uh, what kind of postures are they in? How often are they reaching that overhead shoulder, waist, knee, floor? How often are they performing fine motor movements versus gross motor movements? And then once you determine that, you can also look for additional risk factors and implement controls to reduce that. So you're reducing the physical demands of the job but you're also documenting what it is that they have to do as part of the physical requirements of the essential functions of their job. And what you can do with that information is take that and then look at other tasks. And what you want to do is if if one job is really, uh, you're doing continuous movements, some people would say repetitive movements, and I don't like using the word repetitive because there's not a universal, universally accepted definition of that. So I'll say continuous movements they're doing continuous fine motor movements. You don't want to move them to a job where they're also doing continuous fine motor movements. You want to move them from, say, like an assembly job to now, hey, have them package items or have them palletize items, things like that. Uh, So that way they're actually getting a little bit of rest and recovery. And then also, you know, ergonomics is meant to be systems-wide. If you looked at at the, the definition of ergonomics, the word system is mentioned multiple times. So when you look at an organization and all the systems involved in that, uh, also look for operational need. You know, one of the mistakes or some folks do uh, when they're designing job rotations is they just look at what a person has to lift, push, pull, carry, things like that. They're not looking at the operational need as well. So I always say whenever you're implementing controls, that the more aspects that a control can help out, uh, if it helps out from an injury prevention perspective, great. If it helps out from an injury prevention perspective, as well as operations, even better. You're more likely to have success with this over the long term. So look for operational need. What, what are some of the job positions where you know folks need to be trained to do that? So that way you can increase the, the job enlargement once again, increase the rest and recovery, and as well as you know meet that operational need. So how often do these need to be readdressed and reexamined? Do you feel that, that there's any sort of uh, you know, consistency to see if this something is really having a successful change. I mean, could people expect to change in two months, three months, a, a year? How long does these seem to actually have a positive effect? 
and it all depends, you know, and I, I always use that answer for, for any high level question. The, the correct answer is it depends. And, and there's so many variables to consider. If it's, if it's something operational and then you're filling that gap, that's something you can definitely see in the metrics as far as performance. Productivity goes up, performance goes up. Those are, you know, metrics you can see on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. As far as injury prevention, it, once again, it, dep- it depends on the types of risk factors. And is it something that you're seeing more acute type injuries or is it something more chronic? If it's something acute, you'll see the, the, the results. I don't want to say immediately, but it could be weekly, it could be monthly. If it's something that's chronic, you know, you may see the results at a later date, say monthly or so. But as far as job rotations themselves, I always recommend, same thing with the physical demands analysis, update those on an annual basis at the latest. But if there are any changes to the process, any changes to products, also evaluate the physical demands analysis at that point, as well as the job rotations to see if any of those changes to tools, equipment, process designs, workstation designs, anything anything like that has impacted the physical demands as well as the job rotation. James, have you found either in your kind of anecdotal life as an ergonomist or um, in your research as far as when is the best to, how long should, I guess, how long should somebody be at a certain workstation? Or is it kind of that depends answer again, based on product need, et cetera? Exactly, Amber. You answered it perfectly with it depends. And it depends on, once again, the physical demands of the job. Is this a job where it's more strenuous from a capacity as far as the forces? Is it more of continuous, you know, fine motor movements, things like that? It also depends on the logistics of the facility itself. If this is a huge facility, it's going to be difficult to rotate, you know, every 30 minutes or an hour or so. And, you know, it's going to hinder productivity and it's more likely to be shut down because it's it's causing decreases in performance. Uh, my recommendation whenever possible is, you know, really take logistics into it and try and rotate during breaks, whether it's a morning break, a lunch break, afternoon break. If it makes sense to do that, go for it. If it's something to where it's the products, you know, have a longer cycle and, and it makes sense to rotate on a daily basis, that's fine as well. One of the common misconceptions people think is with job rotations, they, they need to occur uh, at least once a day, four times a day. And, and the real answer is there's not one definitive answer. It may be you rotate once a, a day. You start one day at this position, the next day you start the next. It may be weekly. It depends on the product and everything involved. So really good advice kind of overall is that job rotations by themselves aren't the answer, but they still do have benefit. And if done appropriately, they can cause a lot of good benefits and don't fall into the mentality of having people go from fine motor to fine motor, try to switch them from fine motor to bigger motions and then rotate as actually needed, whether it's hourly or daily or even weekly. Exactly, Curtis. And one of the things I always say with ergonomics, if you look at the research, you'll see engineering controls are mentioned as the only standalone injury prevention control there is. And I even argue against that The reason being is if you have the best engineering control there is, and it's this piece of tool and equipment, it's going to, you know, keep the person from getting injured if they use it. What if they haven't been trained on how to properly utilize it? I always give the the example of a, you know, $20,000 vacuum lift assist. It does great when it's utilized properly, but if the, the employees are afraid to use it, haven't been trained appropriately, 
I've seen it become a $20,000 coat and hat rack, honestly. So I don't believe, just like with the, with job rotations, I don't believe, believe there's a standalone control that's a magic cure-all silver bullet for everything. Just like everything else, I, I think a job rotation is a tool for folks to have in their injury, injury prevention toolbox, but it's not the only tool. It, it has its use and it has its place, but it's not the only tool. Well, James, we really want to thank you for um, bringing more of your tools from your to- toolbox to our listeners today. So thanks again for joining us. Oh, anytime. Thank you for having me. We are thankful that James could join us and give us a little bit more information regarding job rotation and answer some of those frequently asked questions. I really like how James brought it back around to, you know, the fact that this isn't just a one-stop shop as far as preventing injuries on site, but it's definitely something to take into account and gave you some practical ways on how to implement that. So thank you all for listening to this Frequently Asked Questions episode of Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast. We are bringing the power of prevention to you. Please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. To get started preventing injuries, visit our website at wellworkforce.com or email us at podcast at wellworkforce.com with any questions or comments. And remember, prevention improves lives.